Welcome to the In the Bag podcast. I'm your host from absolutely frozen Houston, Texas, and with me as always is Jazzy James Haldeman. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I have to say that uh, all of the potential natural disaster reasons I could have ever foreseen for for you to not be able to to record a podcast potentially I have to say that a frozen Houston Texas is uh pretty was pretty far down on my list and uh we've podcasted through potential hurricanes and all that sort of stuff and this was the first time we almost had to cancel one for for something like that so I I would have definitely bet wrong there yeah it's uh (laughs) it was a while I'm Personally, I'm exhausted. Uh, so we, so it was a, like actual legit snow, but we uh, we got knocked our power knocked out 2 a.m. on Monday, and we're without power until like 11 today. So it was like uh, what was that 33 hours of no power. It got down to like nine degrees last night. Uh, and, uh, and like, basically it was just like, we had the cats like sleeping on us and, and stuff. It was, it was wild. Um, but, uh, we got power back and have had it back since cross our fingers and, uh, nothing, you know, nothing crazy has happened. You know, there's, uh, all sorts of crazy statistics that have come from this. At one point, I think only 30% of Houston had, uh, power. That's wild. Uh, which That's is, a lot of people. Yeah. It was it was like one million of three point six million had power. Um, you know, there's been a lot of uh, you know multiple people who have pipes busted that have ruined their house. Julie, you know, Julie just showed me a picture of uh, a friend of hers that is going into labor right now and going to the hospital, and their their uh, their roof fell in or their like ceiling fell in on on their bedroom. It looks like so. Um, it's really wild out there and, um, you know, hopefully everyone around the U S you know, it seems like the people of the United States always step up in times like these and, and, uh, you know, give to good causes. And this is just, uh, another one of them. Yeah. I'm glad you guys are safe. Hopefully, uh, Julie's friend can, I guess, figure out a workaround for now. If there's anything that, that we can do for them, let us know. Um, but yeah, uh, a, like a really awful situation that I did not realize was awful when you initially told me about it because I didn't realize how yeah I grew up in a place with with infrastructure that supported you know electricity and that sort of thing because we had snow all the time and now I live in a place where it doesn't snow I just it's just never anything I've had to to kind of think about so it, it's pretty wild basically the same here it snowed like legit snow I think probably like three times in my life here so you know, it's not something that ever happens, but it's never been this cold. Even when I was at school in Maryland, uh, I think it got down to like single digits once. And, uh, you know, we were kids. I think we played like football on top of a, like a parking lot or something in the snow, (laughs) (laughs) like like idiots. (laughs) Yeah, we, uh, yeah, that was, that was our, our, uh, go-to, go-to outdoor activity as kids for sure was was football in the snow i don't know why but uh i never had to really have a desire to actually play football but it was always way more fun in the snow uh it's a blast in the snow definitely i was glad i got to experience it but anywho um so we had pebble beach last weekend riviera this weekend it's i always enjoy these two tournaments being back to back um it's pretty unusual I i feel like you know obviously until you get to the tour championship that you have uh two still prestigious tournaments back to back that aren't majors so uh 
So we uh, get to, to that point, uh, these next four weeks, starting with Riviera, uh, we will also have, I believe the players is in there and there's one players other. Players is March 17th. Right. So and there's one other really, off. really big tournament, but basically these next four weeks are the highest payout in consecutive weeks. Um, mm. And PGA Tour. So we have a WGC uh, mm. ne- next week. Mm-hmm. And then we have the Arnold Palmer and the players. Mm. So it is a, it's a, it's a, the beginning of a, a pretty high, high stakes four weeks where we'll get a lot of big names, you know, consistently playing in these, these tournaments. So it should be a lot of fun. Yeah. We get, um, and oh, I'm excited for the players. I think it's going to be a great tournament this year. Um, but, but uh, last weekend we had, I got to watch, honestly, I got to watch almost all of it because I, I, the weather was so bad that I just didn't do anything except for sit inside and watch golf basically all, all four days. So I got to watch almost all the tournament. It was a blast. Uh, we had Berger coming out on top at the end. Uh, he, honestly, he played the best golf, I think, from start to finish. Cantlay came out on fire, but basically failed to put anything together. He had a, he had a pretty decent last round, but he kind of just he just stalled out on. rounds two and three. Yeah, I mean he just did whenever he's not playing well, and that's just he's always playing, you know, out of position and never really giving himself a chance to to get any birdies. Um, but he obviously was still positive despite that. But he can really um, be his own worst enemy at times. Uh, yeah, he's not really long enough where he can you know put himself out of position and and still give himself opportunities to score. Um, and, you know, but obviously there's the flip side of that, which we saw on day one, which is where he can also hit everything to six feet and give himself, you know, incredibly easy, you know, birdie looks for 10, 12 whole stretches. We also saw that at the Amex. So he's like, he showed us like the absolute peak of Patrick Cantlay. And, you know, I, I think at this point he's, he's like a pretty high floor guy as well where he, mm-hmm. he just kind of stalls he doesn't you know he, he's gonna make a bogey here or there maybe but he, he he's a grinder and is is generally gonna you know play well enough to make the cut and then he always has the the potential to pop for a really really huge round yeah you know he kind of reminds me of like um not obviously not in uh style of play or character or anything like that but like i feel like patrick reed is like that whenever he's won his tournaments he has just like that one round where he's like absolutely on fire and then he just kind of plays okay like the rest of the tournament right Um, yeah but but very few people can just like get to that you know hitting 62s on on a hard course um and uh and then we also had what we had maverick mcneely come out of nowhere uh, almost, almost tried to to force the playoff, uh, but for Burger's uh, just absolute dagger on the 18th. It's got to feel and... good. Like if if you're Maverick McNeely, you have to sleep a little bit better losing by two than losing by one. Mm. After that penalty stroke he took, was that number five? I think he took it on 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 Saturday, where he had yeah. you know, dressed his ball and it moved, and and he should have just picked it up, and maybe a rules official would have. Would have uh, let him take a free drop. Same thing happened to Russell Knox in the fairway on Sunday, and it was pretty impressive that mm-hmm. he kind of kept his head on straight and uh, and still played a pretty solid round of golf. Because if that happened to me and they ran me down four holes later after I just made a bogey, oh boy, Ooh, I'd have lost it. Like so, so kudos to Knox for keeping his head in the game and, and still playing a pretty solid round on Sunday. Yeah, and man, that putt 
off the green on, I think it was 16 by McNeely. was just absolute nails. Yeah, um, for sure. Just an unbelievable shot. I mean, the break on that thing, it must have been, I don't know, it was, 10 feet. Yeah, maybe. it was, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was like, at least awesome. five. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the speed he had to have on it too, um, coming down, it was, it was just an excellent, excellent putt. And that's definitely one of the strongest parts of his games, but you saw it on display. Um, it probably would have been good for us to note that that he won there at Pebble as an amateur, so he was familiar. Especially whenever they went to that that tee on Sunday, that short uh, the short par four on tenth, or they made ten a short par four, so he knew exactly what he uh, could and couldn't do on it. Well, McNeely's dad is a is a tech billionaire, sold his company to Oracle, and they live down in in Monterey, so he's got a lot of familiarity with with Pebble Beach. Yeah, so you know we should have expected him to play well, and, and honestly should have been more on top of that. Uh, that's our bad. Um, Jordan Spieth, you know, uh, second tournament in a row, he was leading going into Sunday. Um, you know, again, the driver is just going to be his downfall. Uh, his approach game, you know, is, is a marked turnaround from where he where he's been, and I kind of wonder, you know, we'll see if it's here to stay or if it's kind of like uh, our boy. Uh, Denny, Dennis, Dennis McCarthy, Sir Dennis. <laughs> uh, you know where he had that hot stretch with his irons and was putting it together, but you know obviously where his game is at is now is is not in a good place. So hopefully Spieth can hold on to it because you know as you know we talked about this off air off air, but as you've seen you know the the way that Spieth. He play he, he plays with a certain charisma that both is mesmerizing um, because he does stuff that uh, he does stuff that only he can do, but it's also because of where he puts himself on the course because of how bad he is at certain things that he makes himself do that, um, which is part which is like also like I think it's great I, I think people like it because it's it's totally relatable but also completely unrelatable at the same time right right <laughs> like every like everyone misses fairways like 40 yards to the left like he does uh, but then it's like you know all the all the other stuff he does afterwards is you know no one else can do exactly yeah um, I mean Spieth was Spieth is is gonna be fun to watch I think as long as he keeps playing well I think we've kind of hit a, a maximum on him him this week with betting odds and price and like it's time to definitely time to hop off speeth for the the time being mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean i think i think for this is just kind of a, a gut reaction based on what i see on on golf twitter but the, the game's more exciting for the fans when he's around a lot of people really love jordan speeth and want to see him succeed um and so, and so it's fun to to watch him play better the one one takeaway i had from the tournament uh was from the announcers so the Number six, the the uphill par five uh, on the water there. So a lot of guys uh, were hitting the ball left on purpose. And th- I, this reminded me because you mentioned Jordan Spieth. Uh, we're hitting the ball left on purpose to not take on the water and put themselves at, at more at level with that green so they didn't have to hit such an elevated shot. And without fans, it's a lot easier to do. You're not going to kill anybody just aiming to where the gallery would normally be. And the grass also doesn't get grown there. It's it's kind of a dead hill, so you, you tend to get better lies. And I, every the first time somebody did, I think it was Cantlay I saw when Faldo was announcing, he just like was 
was mind blown. He couldn't. He thought he was aiming in the wrong direction. He didn't know what was going on. <laughs> and I was like, it, I, it, and it, and then it just like every time somebody did it, he had to comment on it. It just felt like a very get off my lawn sort of situation. Kind of like when Neiman wasn't warming up uh, in mm-hmm. in in Hawaii, and it was it was just very strange watching it. And, and he was like, well, I guess they're playing that way, but I don't know why they blah 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 blah. And every time somebody made par or a bogey, when somebody else hit it in the fairway and made a birdie, he like made a point to comment on it. I haven't seen the stats on how successful it was or wasn't, but it was just it, it was it was kind of cringy to listen to a little bit over the weekend. Like I, I like some of the stuff Faldo has to say, but that one was weird. Yeah, he, he was very adamant about that. And I thought, for, like, I guess he's kind of like a purist or whatever. Um, and so it's like, you know, you're supposed to play how you're supposed to play sort of thing. But I thought it was kind of interesting that the on-the-course guy, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head, was dismissive of the commentator. What, I forget who it was. Was it Colt Nost? Time. Colton Nost was the guy on the ground. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And but I, I it wasn't it, it was it, Nan- uh, it was Nansen Faldo for the weekend. Yeah, yeah, but it was before then. It was like it was like early. It, it was okay, like on okay. the uh, the the uh, featured groups because they they were talking about it because they obviously hadn't seen anyone play it until the the featured group got there. Right. Like, Speed went super left and Cantley went super left and they were like kind of talking about it. But they also said like. Someone was like, "Well, if the, you know, the, the, uh, if the fans were there, do you think they would still do that?" And, and Nose was like, "Yeah, I think they still would. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like people would like aim at fans. <laughs> so I, I, I think yeah, it was, I, I think it was know. unique to this. But maybe they would. I, I have no idea. I, I can't remember to the tournament last year uh, if if it was played this way. And I, I did not spend much time at number six at the U.S. Open when I was there two years ago, but I do know for a fact that there were fans standing there. And so I, I, I don't remember uh, much of that. I, I do remember two guys hit... I, I watched two guys tee off on six, and it was Mickelson and Zach Johnson, and they both played it into the fairway. And I feel like if anybody's going to play it weird, it'd be Phil. So maybe it wasn't a thing, it wasn't a thing there uh, at that point with fans. Yeah, that Phil definitely would. Um, but moving on, we have the uh, the we have Riviera this week. Um, we'll do a little club up, club down section to get you prepared for that. Um, we have, I'll, you know, we talked about Cantley, we talked about Berger. Um, I'll do a couple guys that I think are pretty interesting for this weekend um, for for different reasons. Um, I'll just do three, I guess, kind of like in this medium range area, particularly because I was watching uh, one of them. But uh, I'll let you do one of them actually, because I think you'll talk about it. But Nate Lashley, uh, obviously, he fell apart at the on the back nine of of round four. But talk about relatable four putt and then slammed his putter under the green. Yeah, we've all been there. I don't think I've ever slammed my putter onto a green. I really wanted to, but I think he realized he was the last group of the day, and he was just like, screw it, and just boom, jammed it down in there, man. Uh, yeah, um, but he gained strokes across the board, 3.51 per round total, so that's awesome. Uh, and then, you know, 2.07 T to green, basically played just super solid. It's exactly how he played whenever he won. Uh, the Rocket Mortgage. I, I get the... Rocket Mortgage, yeah. I get I get the 3M and the Rocket Mortgage confused all the time. Um, Chez started off terrible on Thursday, comes back, shoots for, uh, really well on Friday, 
not so good on Saturday, and then shoots five on Sunday, shoots minus nine, but he gained the fifth most strokes out of everyone on the field. And the only thing that held him back was around the green, which I feel like is, is more of a strong suit. So his, he gained the most strokes on approach, uh, second most, uh, most of anyone who played four rounds. So um, I feel pretty good about Chaz coming into the weekend because I think he'll fix that, that around the green game. Um, and, you know, obviously I think his approach won't be as good, but it's just a good sign that he's uh, that on top of it. And then I think a popular guy this week, which I'm – not as high on, but although he played really well last week, is Matthew Neesmith uh, gained 1.88 strokes on approach. Um, however, I think he, he gained almost 0.7 strokes around the green per round, and I that's just not one of his strengths, and so I'm skeptical that he'll be able to do that again. But, um, but I mean, for 6900 that's a it's a good price for someone who's a great ball striker. He may be popular because of how he played last week, but, uh, you know, he was great last week. Yeah, all of those guys are definitely worth mentioning. I'm kind of mad at Chez. I sold off like half of my uh, jock market shares halfway through the round on Friday because I didn't think he was going to make the cut, and then he just boat raced everybody the back nine Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So really good. He didn't. Char- he didn't Charlie Hoffman it, but he, he um, did not Charlie Hoffman. He did not. Jesus, that was Char- like, that was crazy. Charlie Hoffman was plus. What did I say he was? He was like plus three on. <laughs> he was plus three on hold. 28 of uh you know of his tournament and he was just come off of 42 proceeds to birdie the next six holes and then finishes like what like t5 yeah it was it was a a wild turnaround from spyglass to pebble beach for charlie hoffman that's for sure uh so it's it's interesting clubbing up and clubbing down this week we have a lot of new names in the field obviously because a lot of guys didn't play at pebble last week so that would have put them at five weeks in a row because the four tournament stretch that's coming up and and most most players won't play more than four so it'll it's it's a very cool field this week i'll start off um in the eight thousand dollar range with max holma Uh, this was his best stretch of golf last year you know the um with the amex waste management pebble beach and then the genesis he he topped it off with a uh a t5 and and he's kind of showing that same form again um you know four straight uh well five straight made cuts uh with with really high peaks of 12th and 7th and and barring a a few mistakes you know during thursday and friday max holma very easily could have been um you know playing for the win uh, on Sunday, but instead, you know, he finished a few, few few strokes behind. I guess I'll also talk about uh, the guy that I was I was high on that maybe some other people weren't last week. Uh, Cameron Tringale, he was phenomenal again. This is five straight made cuts for him, third straight top twenty finish. He is a uh, you know, at least recently, he has been a, an A tier uh, iron player. And he's you know, you talked about this a little bit last week. The thing that separates him from some of the the lower priced or not as you know, big name guys that are good iron players. Is he's also really solid around and on the greens. Um, he's not as long as a lot of guys, but he hits a decent number of fairways, which didn't hurt him at Pebble. Shouldn't hurt him this week. We'll talk about it a little bit, but the driving distance isn't doesn't need to be particularly long um, at Riviera either. And then I think you know, two, two, we'll go. Two I, knew, more. I knew you were going to talk about Tringali. Okay, That's, yeah, I, I, leaving, I figured I that was the one. You. I figured that was the one, or was Holma? Those were the two I was thinking. Uh, and then I'll. I'll Kind of group two. Well, we'll go with two guys who are also kind of same as Tringali. Uh, Doug Gim, Henrik Norlander have both been phenomenal. 
um, mm. the last four weeks. Norlander's worst finish was last week at 26th. You know, neither guy really has experience on this course, so I don't really know what to make of them coming in. But they're, you know, I, I, Gim is is a, a rare guy below 7,000 that gains strokes across the board. So he's an interesting look this week. Played really well last week. Um, and Norlander's just been playing really great golf, and we know that his, his peaks can be pretty high, and he plays well at difficult golf courses Memorial last year and uh, Torrey Pines this year where he finished T2nd. So this might be another opportunity for, for Henrik Norlander at a low price. Yeah, his game is weird in the sense that, I, you know, I feel like he's streaky, um, and I feel like that is hard to replicate on the hard courses, but he does seem to play them well. Before we move on to the club down, I'd like to also give a shout out to Camp Davis, who yeah, like didn't even finish anywhere near the top, but he was like second strokes gained uh, on the field. And um, you know, I think he'll be popular this week, but with good reason. And you know, we've talked about him a lot of times. This you know, is tons I, of talent. I almost left it out while we were doing the recap in this. We got to shout out Akshay Badia, who's 19 mm. years old and his 11th start becomes the fifth player since 1986 to hit all 18 greens in regulation at pebble beach uh he did not have a great friday saturday or sunday but he's he's you know he's only 19 he's got a ton of talent uh seems like a pretty cool guy cool kid uh, a lot of fun to root for and, and played a, a really solid golf tournament uh this weekend definitely uh yeah you know he's uh he's definitely a pod favorite and i think that um he just needs to like clean up uh, you know they're they're talked about it on the on the, you know like uh, the guys in the the booth they're not like a like I'm not a huge fan of like how they talk about players or like they're not really good at at understanding like where their form is and stuff like that but you know they brought up that Akshay just had lost his focus by the end of Saturday and and you could just definitely tell that. And it's just hard to mentally put together four rounds like that, especially for someone who's so young, who's really just never been in that position with the field that, you know, not that it was a great field, but, you know, still like a a major tournament for him. Yeah, I feel like it's tough to hit that high and then kind of maintain it. Uh, I mean, Patrick Cantley obviously had the same issue. He recovered a little bit better than than Akshay did. But yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. those are just things the more, you know, He's a he's a guy that has like temporary status on the Canadian PGA Tour, the McKenzie Tour. So it's not like he's uh, going to be expected to to finish these tournaments when he when he gets it gets it going early. Now it's just kind of like, can he continue to put together these? Can he put together a top, a top twenty finish, a top thirty finish? Oh, top ten finish gets him in the field the next week. So it's, it's interesting. I, I think he's he's got a lot of talent. We're going to see him on the PGA Tour for a long time to come. Uh, so it's just it's fun to to be on the the front of rooting for Akshay for sure. Is that named after Mackenzie Hughes? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, um, no doubt. <laughs> Canada's in finest. The club, <laughs> in the club down section. Uh, we'll both we'll both get to trash him, so that'll be fun. Um, but I'll go. Uh, I'll leave him for last to make a smooth transition here. Oh, I like it. Uh, two guys that really disappointed me were James Hahn, who I was, I was very high on going into the tournament. Um, lost the third, fourth most strokes of anyone. Uh, basically, only gained uh, the fact that he gained in an off the tee and in putting, and still managed to he lose three point seven strokes. Yeah, is just incredibly bad. Um, couldn't putt, couldn't strike the ball, couldn't do anything around the green. Just not a good weekend for him. Uh, and then someone who made the cut, and I, I had kind of like talked myself into him. I was never a big fan, even whenever he was competing. Uh, 
you know, for uh, for majors and stuff, uh, was Francesco Molinari. I always thought he was kind of a flash in the pan, and I bought into him this week. You know, he's got a good run the green game, and he can kind of, uh, you know, that'll bail him out. Um, but he just, he just, uh, I don't know. He he either got frustrated or you know he still his run the green the game was fine, but he still lost. Uh, he lost the third most strokes of anyone who made the cut, uh, and it was just really bad off the tee. And I think that's just always going to keep him from competing because he's both not long and inaccurate. And so um, uh, it's just hard for me to, to buy in on him. And do then the last guy, what's that? Do you know part of the reason that Francesco Molinari lost so many strokes off the tee? On, on, on Saturday, uh, or was it, yeah, I think it was Saturday on tee, number, tee box number one, he cold-topped one into the, uh, into the white tee box with the three wood just hit it 20 yards into the rough uh. it was awesome <laughs> it, and we've then, all been there we've all then, been there and then yeah that was very relatable and then he tweeted uh the pga tour retweeted it or tweeted a video of it and he said so did anybody see any anything interesting this morning and retweeted the video so it was pretty cool he had a good sense of humor about it it was awesome yeah he is a nice guy and i always like what he has to say in interviews i just don't like i just if he's like nine thousand dollars, like he's not worth playing. Like right, this weekend, right. he's seventy six hundred. I think that's like a reasonable price for him. Um, and then the last guy, Ricky Fowler. Oh, Ricky Fowler. I mean, I feel man. like we're just beating a dead horse at this point. He comes in, he shoots three under, and then has like one thing go wrong, and then just completely implodes. It loses what the seventh most strokes. And he gained two point two six strokes around the green, and still lost the seventh most strokes. Because he was terrible off the tee and couldn't putt. I I think it was his first tee shot on Thursday. He just like sliced it off the box. Mm-hmm. He almost hit it OB, and I mm-hmm. texted you and I was like, "It's gonna be a fun week to watch Ricky Fowler." He was uh, he and was he recovered bad from again. that though. Yeah, he recovered from that. He shot minus three, and then he was just really really bad the next day. He just he needs to like he needs to play like Molinari. Like he just can't, like he just he he cannot keep up with the Joneses in terms of his driving, and it's just putting him in spots where he can't succeed. And I think I don't know how many years it's going to take him to realize because he's is he's like twenty eight, right? Twenty nine. Like he probably just thinks he he probably thinks he can be Xander Chaffley or he can be Patrick Cantlay, and he's just not that good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's definitely not as good as those guys. Good thing we don't have Hatch on this week. Because uh, he would have an argument with this. I mean, he 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 gained strokes off the tee, not this past week, but in general he does. This season he has, and he's been really solid around the greens. But his iron play has just been terrible, and his putting is obviously you know he's gone from basically a, a shoe in for top twenty uh, in the world in putting, and he's outside you know the, like the top one fifty this year. And it, when when your approach game isn't that good, you you can't. Um, and you're scrambling all the time. Your your putting can't be that bad, uh, or else you're just gonna do what Ricky's doing and, and not make very many cuts and and really struggle um, to post anything good. And and it is what it is. He's got to figure some stuff out of this game. Uh, I am off Ricky Fowler for the foreseeable future, no matter ownership, dollar sign. Well, I don't know if he gets below seven thousand. I'll think about it. But um, <laughs> there, there's just you know, I, obviously he's another guy that's popular and the game's better when he's playing well. Uh, but unfortunately, right now it's just not going to be happening. Yeah, uh, and then do you have a couple? You yeah, I guess I, one of them's interesting because it's a guy that I am pretty high on 
this week. Siwoo Kim missed a cut, and he's another guy that did it after shooting a really solid score on Thursday at Pebbles. Spyglass kind of ate him up. Uh, but he, you know, you got to club him down because after his win, he's miscut at Farmers, you know, barely made the cut and lent to a 50th place finish at, at Waste Management uh, and then miscut at AT&T. But each of those miscuts has featured one really good round, one really bad round. Um, and he's going to a course where he, you know, had a third place finish two years ago. So we'll see. We'll see what to, what, what I make of Siwoo um, this week. But uh, I definitely think he's worth the club down. James Hahn, I agree with. And then uh, I'm, I've got one more, and I think uh, I'm going to club down Harold Varner. Uh, I just don't know if he's a good golfer or not. He's had like moments where he's touched the lead. You know, last year uh, on Sunday, he cold topped a drive after touching the lead at, at Genesis. Uh, last year, he was you know mm-hmm. in the final group with Brooks and uh, Brooks' last major win, uh, Beth Page Black. Uh, he he has the ability to pop, and it doesn't matter what model you put him in. His his strokes game ball striking data looks great, but at some point that has to translate to results. No matter like you know, there are guys that are bad putters, but they have way better and more consistent results than Harold Runner with worse ball striking numbers. So I I, I think it takes it's going to take a little more digging to figure out exactly what's going on with Varner, but he has just been um, pretty awful over what the last six months to a year. He's just he's just not been good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I mean, I, I, I agree with your sentiment on that and in, in generalities. But like, he missed the cut by a stroke, and yeah, it really screwed me. But it, you know, like, I'm not gonna kill him for like missing missing it by one. He had an opportunity on 17 at Spyglass where he definitely should have made a birdie, and he didn't. He missed like a five foot putt or something, which is always gonna be his downfall. But um, these types of courses. I know he was good at Genesis last year, right? And he, or, but it, they're just not his forte. Like, I could see him, like, the Masters, right? That's, like, where I expect him to do well. Um, where he doesn't have to he's not going to make the, the Masters if he doesn't get within the top 50 in the world rankings, though. Well, that's true. But I'm just saying, in general, like, uh, if he, like, that's a type of course where he could do well. Where he doesn't really need to worry about the around the green game so much. He can just go out there and put it close to the pen and you know not have to worry yeah you can hit some sand traps or whatever but generally speaking so i i I, i'm not going to fault him for playing for like not making it a cut not making the cut at a course where the one particular thing that he's bad at which is around the green game is the one particular thing you needed to be good at to play well and you were just i i was playing him on the hope that that he would just happen to have it that week yeah, I, I just think he's gaining almost more than double total strokes of anybody he's like close to being priced around. and But mm-hmm. those guys have way more green in their recent finishes than Harold Varner and have for a really long time. Like I, I just don't know what his disconnect is. I am speaking about generalities with Harold Varner because if you look at his specific ball striking data, it's it looks really, really good. It just hasn't mm-hmm. translated to any results. And that, that worries me a little bit, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Especially if you're going to make him a core piece of, of your plays and not a, a pivot. Oh, not me. With that, with that said, let's dig into it. Five golfers at 10,000 plus. Uh, as you talked about, you know, this field is absolutely stacked. I mean, we have uh, what, Victor Hovland's $8,700. Like, he's way down there because of how stacked this field is, compared to like what we had last week with, uh, you know, Day and, and Spieth being, uh, you know, top dollar. So, 
Uh, we have DJ at 11.3, which I think is still pretty soft pricing given the field. 10.7 um, for JT, 10.5 for Rory, 10.4 for Rom, 10.1 for DeChambeau. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've kind of struggled with this a lot because, I mean, I, in some ways I'm like, how do you not play DJ? I mean, he's, been, he's just torn up here. His lowest place finished the 16th. Um, I, I'm kind of leaning like where I think if I'm going to rank them in, in order, it's DJ, I, DJ, Rom, Rory, DeChambeau, Thomas. Is that, maybe, is that, is that weird? I, I mean, I think DJ is obviously the best player. Is the reason he opened at fifty or five, five and a half to one. It, it looks even in a field like this, right? Like he's obviously been the best player in the world over the last, I guess, since he bombed at the three M. Like nobody's been close to the run that that he's been on with the Masters, the Tour Championship. He won in Saudi Arabia, which was an extremely you know strong field. So. There, yeah, DJ's the best player in this field. There's, there's no doubt about that. The only concern I have is that you know his around the green game is, is like you've pointed out, the weakest part of his game, and it we're going to focus heavily on that this week because uh, these are. But know, it just tough, hasn't tough mattered here, it just, right? It just hasn't mattered to him here, uh, and and it's clearly somewhere he's comfortable with. So you have to play DJ. I think Rom and Rory are like a two A two B. I could I could play either one of them based on projected ownership. I think I like getting three percent um, lower ownership on Rory. I think his game's been you know in pretty good form recently. This is obviously a course he feels comfortable and could take advantage of. So I, I I like Rory maybe slightly more than Rom just based on what projected ownership is. And then I think uh, I would flip flop Bryson and JT. I think they're the two. Uh, I don't know if I think Bryson's the most volatile. I think JT's the most volatile golfer here. I think he could very easily go out and win this tournament. Obviously, he's got the capability to do that. He's got the best short game of anybody uh, at the top of this list, and maybe in the field. Uh, and he's he's definitely the best iron player right now at the top of this list. But his driver can get erratic. His putter can go ice, ice cold. And he's he's the one guy that, you know, up here I go, oh, okay, he, he could miss a cut on any given week, where the rest of these guys... Uh, I don't feel so much about that, except Bryson this week. Uh, I just feel iron play in and in around the green game is just really Bryson's uh, weakest point uh, at, the, at this stage of his career. And uh, so I, I don't think uh, Riviera is particularly my favorite place to uh, to run him out, no matter how long he is. Yeah, I, I know that like the stats show that his around the green game is bad, but I feel that there there are certain things that he does that he just whether it's like the club length or how he swings that he just can't do. But I, I just don't feel like his around the green game is like mediocre. He, he doesn't have an, he does not have a creative around the green game. If That's he, true. If he can't hit the shot he wants to hit, he's going to really, really struggle. But you're right. Like if it, if it's just like simple bump and run stuff that he leaves himself all tournament, then, then he's going to be fine. But I think, you know, some some Riviera greens are elevated. You put yourself in situations where you have to hit some some creative shots, uh, and and I I think he's going to struggle there. But uh, you know, he finished fifth year last year, and fourth the year before, or no, 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 fifteenth the year before. So um, I, I could be wrong. I, I just think that that you get a better uh, floor from the other guys. Yeah, uh, right. And he opens up some more spending elsewhere, depending on how you want to do it. Um, I'm almost at the point though that you, you got to play 
that you just got to play DJ and then, you know, really pick your spots elsewhere. Um, I'm kind of hoping that because his price is so much more expensive than everyone else, this, I mean, I think it still could even be a little more expensive. 11.3 is not crazy cost prohibitive, but when you're looking at it and you're like, oh man, I could just save $600 by going to JT, I'm hoping that that keeps his ownership down a little bit, but I'm, I'm not sure. But I think, I, I, I don't know, Rom, Rom seems like he has the complete game for this type of tournament. He obviously has two great finishes here. Um, but if I told you, let's see, DeChambeau's had the highest uh, strokes gained at this, uh, la or he tied with Rory last year, um, and then only DJ, JT, DJ, I mean, DJ 4 and 17, that's absolutely insane, but... I don't know. I, I think I think there's something to the fact that and Bryson is is much better than he was in 19 for sure, and I think he's better than he was at the beginning of 2020 as well. So I, I don't know. I, I think Bryson's maybe maybe my my second play here if I'm not playing DJ, but I'm I'm I can be swayed. Yeah, D, or like I said, not DJ Bryson and and Thomas. I'm I'm not particularly interested in accepting the the miscut from them because i think your your guy at the top has to play really really well this week and and at least have a really solid floor um and so i yeah i i definitely think bryson can go out and just hit every fairway hit every green because uh, he's he is a really streaky iron player that's just not what i kind of see his his floor his consistent play being uh, and I and I've liked what I've seen from Rom and and Rory and DJ obviously enough that that I don't feel like I have to accept that risk this week with Thomas and Bryson. Yeah, so I'll leave you with this, and this is the last point I'll make is that I I'm not sure of the 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 ceiling that you're going to get from either Rory or Rom. Um, it seems it does seem like Rom plays these tough courses a little better, but I, I think he's good. Uh, but I just don't know if he like if he can get if even let's say let's say even if he won he wouldn't like be crushing second place from in from a fantasy perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can see that. And so I'm wondering if it's almost like you're if, if that's the case that maybe like he's not worth it even even if I think Rom is like a better golfer he's just like not a better fantasy golfer. Because so Rom so Rom and Rory have not over the last sixty four have not averaged at any point two two uh, two strokes gained per event. Bryson, JT, and Dustin have DJ has cleared that by a miles, um, and Bryson uh, and and JT are about two point three is about what they're max where they max out at. Right. Yeah. So like I said, I think JT has the highest ceiling, but I also think he has by far the lowest floor. So I don't think he does. I don't think he does, though. I think I think Rory has the lowest floor. I mean, I think. I mean, no, I guess like you're you're telling me you think Rory is more likely to miss the cut this week than JT or Bryson. You're a crazy person if you say yes. I would say that they would make the cut 19 of 20 times, and Rory would make it 20 of 20. But the fact that you're getting in the other 19, they're gonna they would like add, they would outscore Rory. Like I mean, yeah, I guess there's like that one in twenty chance that you that the floor is worse, but outside of that, then I don't think that they have a lower floor. I th I think JT and Brooks missed the cut in more than 
more than one Brooke, out of 20 Brooke, simulations. Brooke, not Brooks, not Brooks, Bryson. Bryson. JT and Bryson missed the cut in more than one out of 20 simulations. I think Rory okay. misses it in one out of 20, and then they miss it in like three or four out of 20. Mm, I don't think so. That's just me, though. Yeah, what's well, nice for us to differentiate and have a little bit of uh, contentiousness here instead of agreeing with each other every time we like a golfer. Well, so I will say this about JT. So he's had two events where he's, here particularly, he's had two events where he's been awesome uh, ball striking and just strokes gained in general. But he, and he's had one bad and two mediocre. So maybe maybe JT's a little more volatile. I mean, we, we know that JT's more volatile, but maybe his risk is is more than I'm, I'm willing to say. But Bryson, uh, you know... I'm not like I'm throwing out 2018 and 2017, but he's like not even close to the same golfer he was then. And so he's put together 2.24 and 1.76 here. That is a lot more appetizing to me. And Rom, and he's and he's put together better than Rom as well over the last few years. So I think maybe I would go DJ, and then I'm splitting hairs between Rory and Bryson. I mean, yeah, we we both agree that DJ is is the right mm-hmm. play. I think mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. he's the best golfer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I I just think what this course asks for the most and demands is what Bryson does the worst, and JT's very volatile. But again, like either one of those guys could also go out and win this tournament. You're you're kind of we're kind of picking hairs at the top here. Well, I think it's important. You got to like you like. You know, we always talk about, oh, well, in last case, last tournament, right? It was an example of, like, if you just would have picked anyone at the top, you would have had a chance to win, right? Because they were all great. Cantlay, Berger, uh, who am I missing? Spieth, Day. No. Who is the third person? Who is the third person over 10,000? Uh, Whoever it was, they, they also had a chance to, uh, to, do, to do great. And, you know, Paul Casey. Oh, Casey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they, you know, they all did well, and so they didn't screw you. Um, I think in this tournament, because the field's so stacked, that it's important to get it right. Um, like, you know, you yeah, you know, these guys are making the cut, but you don't want you don't want your highest price golfer to finish seventeenth. Like you want them, you want them to win. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely think that's that's true. Uh, I mean, in that case, then then you just play DJ if that's solely our criteria. Then it, then it's incorrect to play anybody but DJ. I, I think it may be. That that's almost like where I'm thinking. And if I don't play DJ, uh, yeah, I, I I almost think that's the case though. <laughs> as crazy as that is. Yeah, I, I I mean it's clear that that he is the best golfer in the world and that he is the guy with the target on his back every single time he tees it up. There's just absolutely mm. no question about it. Uh, I think like the one difference is probably like. You know, like he he doesn't have a super uh, adaptive game. Luckily, he just plays the game in a way that that fit a lot of courses. But you know, if we take him and put him in the British Open at that point, then like no, DJ's not the best golfer in the field because he doesn't fit it. Right? He doesn't fit Correct. the type style of golf you have to play there. But everywhere right. else, anytime he plays in America, DJ is the best golfer in the field right now. Until somebody else proves otherwise with a with as consistent of or a better run and dethrones him. And if, if your only criteria is I need my golfer at the top to have the best chance of winning, you play DJ and there's there's nothing else. You just pencil him in. Well, and the reason I say that, and maybe 
and maybe there's a slight difference between um I, I i guess what i'm trying to say is i think it might it might be better to go down from the top if you're not going to play dj like you start yours with 99 with with xander at 9900 or something because you're getting the same type of scoring that you are from rory gt g or rory and rom for sure on average yeah, like maybe I mean, you're not getting yeah. the you're not getting the highs of JT, but you're also just like Xander's like the perfect example for this, right? Like he's gotten higher than uh, Rom for sure, and and Bryson for that matter on the strokes gained here. Yeah, Z- Xander's in a um, also in the midst of what eleven straight, twelve straight top twenty fives, and six out of his last eight tournaments he's finished top five. So. Um, I mean, so I, I'm, I'm almost not... thinking you start with DJ, and then if you don't start with DJ, I'm gonna probably start with either Xander or Cantley or both. I, yeah, I, I can 100% see that, um, and I and I would have absolutely no problem with it. I'm probably gonna start with Xander. We've talked about it a little bit, but I, yeah, I, I think Xander's the. If you're not I gonna mean, play DJ, Xander's the correct place to go. Unless you're looking 9K... for an ownership advantage, then I think Rory's the correct place to go. This 9K range, though, is insane. Um, people both who are playing well right now and people who have great history here. Um, so, you know, we talked about Xander. Had a great last three tournaments here. Uh, well, he's had one great tournament and two other good finishes here. Cantley, same thing. Um, and then you have course horses like Matsuyama, Adam Scott, and Finau has had a really good finish here as well. So, I mean, you have guys that have played well here, guys that are playing well. And then you have what Morikawa, who's obviously, uh, you know, one of the best ball strikers in the world. So um, I'm personally thinking, if I was like to rank these guys, I think you have Xander and Cantley kind of like in a tier above everyone else. But I think that my other two favorite plays are Matsuyama and Scott. I know that you don't like Matsuyama because he's not playing well recently, but... His course history here is great, and he like he doesn't putt well, but he does all the other things well that you need. Um, and he maybe he maybe he just doesn't have the peak that you need though from someone that you're paying for that price, and that's why I would be dissuaded from him. Maybe I should go to Spieth instead because at least we know Spieth can can do crazy stuff sometimes. Yeah, I mean, the last time I wanted to give Hideki the benefit of the doubt for course history was at the Waste Management, where he has incomparable course history. And except for like you know Jason Day at Pebble and Webb at at the Wyndham, and he was again bad. And it's because despite the fact that he's doing everything else really really well, he, his his putter is incredibly prohibitive right now. I mean there, mm-hmm. there there's nothing he can do to beat it. Uh, no matter where you put him, how familiar he is with these things, and I, that's why I'm I, I'm uncomfortable playing Hideki. I like. If if we're talking about ceiling from our top guys, I just don't think his is that high this week. I think it, you know, and I and I I don't think that he's going to be volatile in the sense that like there. I, I don't know. Maybe he could go out and miss the cut this week. He just hasn't been good. Uh, I think you know my favorite play. He could, I, he could miss the cut. He could yeah, miss the cut. He definitely could. Um, I don't think he's the most likely guy to miss the cut out of the the nine thousand price range. But I think that it's definitely that's definitely Spieth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously it's Spieth. But but I, I I think there's a, a good enough chance that he does. Uh, I'm probably I've almost talked myself into Rory for some reason. But I, I I'm like 99 percent sure I'm starting with Xander. 
in my rosters here. Back to back second place finishes, three straight top five finishes. Uh, he has been absurdly good at golf recently, uh, and he's he's doing it all the way across the board. He's you know proven himself to be a really really good putter now. He's long off the tee. He's accurate. His iron play is the probably the weakest part of his game relative to golf, and he's still really good at it. Um, Cantlay kind of on the, the the same vein. He's just been incredibly consistent and and finished, played at a really high level you know, over the last 34, 35 weeks. Kepka, I don't really know what to make of him. I'm, I'm still off Kepka. Um, I don't now. think this is the tournament for him. Yeah, I don't. But th- I, I I think generally I like what I've seen from Kepka. He looks healthy. He's striking the ball well, um, but you do kind of worry. I, at least, like me personally, I do think like you obviously you know you need your base for uh, you know anything that you're doing. But I feel like with the round the game green game, it's so um, it's so like timing dependent, and you just really need to have the bend in your knees and and all that kind of stuff to. You know to do well, and I'm just not sure that Bryson or that Brooks is like a has been like focusing on that, but it's just not the type of tournament that he does well at, and he yeah. historically has not. Right. Yeah, I'll agree with all of that there. Um, Morikawa has the potential to just like take over a tournament in any given week, given that he's probably the best iron player in the world, or at least one of the top three. He's the scariest person. If I don't play, I would be most terrified of not playing him. Yes, that is, that is correct. Uh, that is how I feel as well. I, I also just don't know how well this course fits him. He does not have the tightest uh, around the green game. We obviously know that his putter can get hot, but so far this season he's been not so great at it. And so, you know, Morikawa scares me not playing him, but I think I'm off Morikawa this week. Uh, this actually, I think, would have been a pretty good course i mean he doesn't have good history here but i would have been interested in playing burger coming into this week he's just so good across the board Finau, i just don't think he can win i guess is how i feel about tony Finau. so like why am i why am i paying 9300 for tony Finau? given i don't think he can win i think um, he should be a pivot but i think people would be making a mistake to put him as part of their main lineup like sure, i think yeah. he has the ability to i think he has the ability i mean he showed he gained three strokes in 2018 so, which is phenomenal. It's just, it's better than uh, than Rom and DeChambeau, um have done in the last two, you know, uh, over their span here. So he's shown the ability to get higher than some of the guys at the top. So I think you'd be amiss to completely X him off of your list. But I just don't think he is a predictable enough or be consistent enough with his his greatness to make him a a staple of a lineup. Right. And then the two most interesting guys I think in this group are Spieth and, and Matsuyama I think they're the two most likely to miss the cut with maybe like Morikawa mixed in there um you know like do you play Spieth as a pivot uh given how well how good his iron game has been his last two weeks and you know even the last three years where he's been bad he's at least made the cut here with the top 10 in 2018 um at, at a place where you have to grind and the score you know winning score is going to be somewhere between minus 11 and minus 15 that makes Spieth slightly more appealing than it would uh, but I think we're way too high priced for Spieth right now uh, to, to really consider playing and maybe is a little bit of a pivot um, mm. and then you get to the bottom which is my second favorite play which is Adam Scott he you know won here last year um, his best performance since that win was the farmers insurance where he finished 10th uh, second place finish in 2016 I think uh you know the the floor for adam scott at this place is probably like a 45th 50th place finish 
and uh, I'm I'm okay with that given the fact that I I think he's gonna go out and maybe finish like top fifteen. The only thing that held yeah. him back at, at at Farmers Insurance was his putter, and uh, you know he he'd been putting much better than that leading up to that point. I I'm with you. I think I think I'm I'm a hundred percent starting one of my groups with with DJ and Adam Scott. Like that is it's just so ideal. Um, I think it's it gives me the highest upside at both positions because I think Adam Scott has the highest up at this course than anyone else in the nine thousands. Now he's not going to consistently play there, but I think he has the the potential to. I, I don't know. I'm not all that worried. Spieth, I think you're right. I think he is a good pivot. Or not a good pivot, but he should be a pivot because he also has he has the, the fourth highest uh, ever, you know, uh, strokes gained at this course in the in this in the 9000 range. So That's not bad. No, I mean, you should. I mean, so he's that, lower that, than lower than Xander's best, lower than Cantley's best and lower than Scott's best. That 28 everyone else. That 2018 season must have had some wild scores. That's all I got to say about that. Because every time you mention somebody, they that's like, oh, they're the, the fourth best strokes gained ever. They did it in 2018, and they finished like seventh. I'm like, holy crap! But it's better. But it's compared to everyone else in the field, though. I know. Oh, that's so, true. Yeah. So, so it can't be. I mean, maybe well, I it think, was crazy, but it, I, I think 2018 was probably just a crazy like low score. It's probably like minus 18 or something. Yeah, that's possible. And then transitioning to the 8,000 range, um, I'm not a, a huge fan of this range, to be quite frank. Whew, I, there are a couple guys that I do find enticing here. Only two, really. I think you either go... I don't know. Uh, I, I'm definitely going to play some Bubba, because I think that he has the ability to, to just go crazy here. And I, and I don't think that can be discounted. Um I'm you not play, sure if I'll you make play him a... Bubba, Bubba tracks, and this is a Bubba track. Right, and so I don't know if you should make him a main. You may, uh, but he's definitely a pivot worthy. Same with Leishman. I think you should have him in a couple lines if you're doing multi-entry, 20, 150, whatever. You should have him in some because he has the ability to also just go crazy. He may screw uh, a handful of your lineups, but you just don't want to miss out on him whenever he does well. Um, you know, I, I don't... Uh, like, I, I'm never going to play Jason Cockrack. I just don't think the guy's good. Um, even though he has decent course history here, so I'm just not going to play him. I also, just don't find him enjoyable to root for. Um, the the uh, the guy that the guy like this is the most interesting I think of all the of all the the uh, pricing because guys like Hovland and Neiman to me are just significantly underpriced for people who have course history here. But at the same time, uh, I'm struggling with that because I do think. You know, it seems like these California courses, course history just matters a lot. We saw it last week at Pebble. Day's not playing well, blah, blah, blah. Bam, Pebble comes up, and he just he does what he does. Um, and it seemed, you know, it was that way at Torrey Pines, uh, which, you know, as we all know, has the best uh, correlation between course history and winning. So it just seems like these types of courses have that course history that matters. But uh, Someone it wouldn't surprise me to see someone like Hovland and Neiman break through. I don't think I'll make them a core, but I do think I'll have them as part of a pivot uh, for sure. Yeah. I, so you know, we said that that Morikawa was the guy we feel most scared of in the nine thousand range, and for me, that's Hovland in the in the eight thousand mm. range. I'm terrified to not play him, but I'm probably not going to play him besides a pivot and a couple of lineups because you know the around the green game is where he struggles the most. 
and and it's the real weakness in his golf game still. Uh, and and I'm just a little bit concerned, uh, given that we're going to a place where I think it's as important as it is. Uh, is a Bubba track? You play Bubba Bubba tracks? I don't think you want to put him as part of your core, but he definitely could come out and win this golf tournament. You know, like whenever Bubba is priced above 8,500, you, you just kind of play him because he's priced that way because he plays so well. This For sort a reason. Of place. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so and his. He, you know, he played solid at waste management. Um, I think his around the green game is better than stats are currently telling us it is right now. And you're sending him somewhere where he's won a couple times and obviously feels comfortable with the putter. So I, I'm fine if you want to play Bubba. I will have some exposure to him. Neiman, I feel the same way about Hovland, although I don't think he's quite as good as Hovland. Um, they're just around. They're, their short games scare me a little bit, despite the fact that they're both playing well. Leishman... Yeah, if you want to have some exposure, have some exposure. He's not going to be part of my core. I don't think he should be part of yours either. Then we get lower in price and it gets interesting. Scotty Scheffler, uh, I think he's going to go under-owned compared to what he should be here. I think he's got the best around the green game of these young guys like Hovland, Neiman, Morikawa. And so he can he can make up for that sort of stuff here and, and also finished 30th year last year. So he's got some some exposure to the course. Like, you know, obviously Morikawa does too. Hovland does not. Um, I think that matters. Yeah, I think it does. I think it does at difficult golf courses. Uh, Cam Smith would interest me, but he's just not been in good form. It, but this does feel like a course that should fit him. Maybe he gets um, something going. He's here a good this pivot. Week. He's yeah. a good pivot, and he's a high. He's a high end pivot too, because he could definitely come out and, and just finish. He's shown the ability to go low. Yeah. Uh, Will Z. Uh, I'm. We spoke about this a little before the podcast. I'm a little bit concerned about him when he uh, was first coming on tour. Uh, he played really well for a lot of tournaments in a row, including the U.S. Open. And then after like four or five tournaments, we kind of saw it start to fall off before he missed a cut. He said it himself that the travel and all of that really got to him. This hasn't been as much travel, but it's still his fourth tournament in a row. And we saw kind of last week at a place where we probably expected him to play pretty well uh, that he, he fell off and finished 55th. So a little worried about Will Z. Uh, my favorite I'm with play. You. I'm with you on that. Yeah, my favorite play in this range for a a um, a roster, if you want to like make him part of your core, is Max Holma. Uh, I just think he's playing really good golf right now. He's obviously someone that feels comfortable here. And we talk about how much the co- course correlation and and previous experience, uh, you know, works here. He's obviously feeling confident. He uh, birdied all four par threes at Pebble on Saturday. Just playing some really solid golf right now. I like Max Holma, uh, fading Matt Wolf. Uh, around the green game is the worst part of his game, and he's also lost like six strokes in his last six uh, tournaments with the driver. So if his weapon, best weapon isn't working, then there's really no reason to play uh, Matthew Wolf. And then I'm with you on Kokrak. I just don't. I don't think his. I think he's similar to Wolf. I think he's not playing well, and I don't think his game fits this course. Yep, uh, you've convinced me on Wolf. Or I'm sorry, not Wolf. On um, Homa. I I like the Homa play. I'm not sure I'll make him a core play, but I think also the fact that he's expensive, more expensive than I think he should be. Um, it, so it, this works out a little better in baseball DFS, in my opinion, but I think the same can apply in golf. Uh, like there was a stretch on like this guy named like Pete Alonzo. He was like a rookie two years ago, but he was just like $5,000 every, every game. And you know, the Mets sucked and blah, blah, blah. But he, all he did was hit 
freaking homers, but no one would play him because he was $5,000 and he was on the Mets. Um, and he was overpriced compared to like what he should be, but he always produced. And I kind of feel that way that I'm hoping this, the same thing happens with Homa. He's more expensive than he should be. Ownership drops, but he plays well. Yeah, I, I definitely could see that. Um, it, but I, I, you know what? Like, if you just go, hey, I'm just going to avoid this 8,000 range. I'm going to live with two guys at the top, and then we get into the 7,000 range, which I really like, and you play a guy from below, I, I'm okay with that, too. I just think if I was going to have somebody as my core from this 8,000 range, it would be Max Holma or Scotty Scheffler. I'm with you there, um, for sure. Uh, the the 7,000 range, I think, is... Uh, um, for the names that are down here, they're quite. It's quite dicey. Um, there are some guys that I like in this range. Uh, I think you and I are both on the Russell Henley train. I think he's my favorite play in the seven K range. Um, I also very much like Siwoo. I know you mentioned him earlier. Um, I'm not sure he's a core piece, but he's definitely a pivot piece, and I would pivot him. Uh, I'd use him in a lot of try to get him in a lot of different lineups uh, if I could, but. I do, you know, he obviously has risk, but he his upside is so good, um, particularly at this course. Um, but other than that, there's not a ton of guys. James Hahn has good history here, but he didn't play well last week. Um, but he's typically been playing pretty decent golf up until now. Um, who who are some of the guys you like it, that you can kind of direct me in in a way? Because I'm not I'm not in love with this range, to be honest with you. Yeah, the the first two you mentioned, I I also really like Russell Henley graded out as the third best golfer in my model behind JT and DJ, and I think there's a lot to be said for that. Um, he's obviously not been playing as well now, but when he when he wasn't playing well earlier, it was coming off a lot of really great golf, and so his price was much higher. You're taking on a lot more risk. Where Russell Henley at 7,800 is a little more palatable. He's been phenomenal around the greens with his ball striking. Um, the, the reason that he's, you know, tour average player strokes gained wise off the tee is because he's not that long and that doesn't matter as much here. We didn't, haven't really talked about it, but the average drive distance at, at Riviera is 279 yards, which is kind of similar to Pebble where it makes you play certain shots, uh, and, and play from certain spots on the course. And I, I trust somebody like Russell Henley to do that. Uh, second my favorite play is going to be a, a core piece of my rosters this week is Siwoo Kim. Uh, he's one of, got one of the best around the green games on tour. I know he's coming off a miscut at Pebble, but the, the round at Pebble he played was phenomenal. And then on the really hard day uh, at Spyglass, his game kind of got away from him. The one concern with Siwoo is that this is his sixth straight week playing on tour. That's a lot. And now that I'm saying that out Maybe the loud, miscut was good for him. <laughs> maybe the miscut was good for him. He got a little bit of time off. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I also the three point four projected ownership I'm seeing right now is extremely, extremely uh, tantalizing. Uh, I really and, like, and you don't have to play him in a ton of lineups to be overweight on him. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I also really like Cameron Tringali again this week. I just think he's playing really, 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 really good golf. Three straight top twenty finishes, capped by his seventh place finish last week, and it could have been better. He just struggled a little bit on Saturday, but the rest of the tournament, he was great. I think his game fits what you need here. He's a really great approach player. He's not long, but he's very accurate off the tee, uh, good around the greens, and he's a really good putter. Um, 30th here last year. I, I think you can, I think, I think that could be a core piece of a lineup. Um, his ownership being high was scary to some people last week, but I still thought it was the right play, uh, and I, I think he is probably the correct play again this week. Uh, Cam Davis is playing his best stretch of golf as a professional right now. 
Uh, again, another guy that was one day, one off day away from finishing very, very high. Um, I just think he's got a lot of raw talent. Uh, gain strokes across the board, which is, you know, something, and he's really good at something, which is his off the tee game. You know, we're like somebody like James Hahn gains strokes across the board, uh, but he doesn't have something that he's really, really good at, like Cam Davis is. Uh, I think we're kind of seeing the the emergence of Cam Davis uh, the same way we talk about Sam Burns. So I, I, I'm pretty high on him this week. I think he's got a, a game that fits the course. Uh, I think he's going to have a good week this week. Um, and then what do, where do we drop down to? I guess Luke List, uh, really good course history here. Top 30 finishes last three years. Top 30 finishes his last three tournaments. He took a break last week at Pebble. Yeah, he's if, been playing well. If we're team no putt, uh, Luke List is the captain of that team. And I, I think... Ke- Keegan uh, would like a word. Well, yeah, probably. Yeah, Ke- yeah Keegan loses 0.16 strokes more putting than, than Luke List does. I apologize to Keegan. Uh, also, cl- close in that range is uh, is Emiliano Grillo, close to them as well. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on Luke List this week uh, as well. Uh, playing some, just playing some really good golf right now. Really good ball striker. Um, and then I think that's you know I we could go down and we could take a look at like Chez. We could look at um, Chez is someone definitely we're taking a look at as a pivot. Ta- Taylor Gooch, two top twenty finishes here. I know he's coming off two missed cuts in his last four starts, but you know he's a, he's a really good iron player, solid around the green player. I, I could definitely see Gooch being a play. Uh, and then Brendan Steele continues to make cuts and finish in the top 40. Like, for $7,100, I think he could do a lot worse. I know his last appearance here, he missed the cut in 2019, but I think Brendan Steele's playing the best golf we've seen him play in a, in a few years. Uh, so I think I think Brendan Steele might not be a bad play as well. Yeah, another uh, two more names I'll throw out there is Kai, Kai Hoon Lee. Uh, he has 13th and a 25th place finish here. Uh, second uh, the week prior to this at Waste Management. Um He's playing good golf. Uh, I think he, you know, you want guys that have the ability to to put together a second place finish. And the waste management was a pretty good field. Yep. Uh, not as not as stacked as this, but definitely good. Um, and then uh, Wyndham Clark, who withdrew last week, but it's a similar. You need similar strengths as you did last weekend. So for the same reasons as last weekend, I like him this weekend. Also has a 17th place finish here last year. Yeah, I, I I can definitely see both of those both of those names being uh, being at the in the top couple pages of the leaderboard. Uh, and then um, the seven thousand, I'm sorry, the six thousand range. Um, so two guys have insane. Uh, in fact, four guys to me have insane ownership. Uh, Gim, Neesmith, uh You got Patrick Rogers at five percent. Taylor six percent, almost seven percent. Doc Redman at seven percent. JB Holmes with his course history at five percent. Um, I I don't think I'm going to play any of those guys. Maybe Doug Gim, but I just it's so chalky that you're not really gaining much to me um, by by playing those guys. I would prefer to look other places. Um, I think our boy Sebastian Munoz has a has a the ability to do well here, and he finished 26th year last year. I think he's a better golfer than he was, although he's not playing well right now. Um, so I'm kind of I, I like that. Um, I know you don't like Harold Varner, but I think as a, I think I don't, maybe he's not a, a core part of your lineup, but Harold Varner to me is, is a fair pivot because of his upside. Uh, but I, it's, it's slim pickings down here. I don't love a lot of guys. Um, and I think what, uh, Sun Kang is the Kelly Craft player of the week. Yep. 
So, uh, so take that as you will. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. Um, we just don't have a lot of guys down here that that do what this course is looking for particularly well. Um, if Martin maybe Charlie, Lair- Charlie, 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 Charlie Chucky, Chucky Hockey Sick, Chucky Trickle Hockey Sick. Uh, he's good at ground their green, and we've talked about how he has like the most like what, like equals and on par fives over the last right. like 12, 12 years or whatever. So yeah. maybe maybe he's another guy that that you would throw in that list for me. But for it, those it, of you um, who don't know who he's talking about, he's talking Ch- about Charles, Charles Al the Third. Um. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think so. if I was I think if I was going to pick a guy down here to be a core part of my rosters, it would be Doug Gim. Um, mm. So far this season, gaining strokes across the board. Uh, he's been playing some really, really solid golf after some some really solid golf led to a miscut at the Sony, and he picked back up immediately the next week. Um, outside of that, like maybe you're right. I think it might be Charles Howell as my my next uh, guy that I would recommend as a core play. Uh, Neesmith's been playing really well, and he does one thing really, really well, which is you know he's a phenomenal iron player, so that's why he's rated so high. Um, yeah, I'm okay with Varner being a pivot play uh, and having some exposure to him. I just don't think, uh, given his volatility recently and poor performance, he should be a core part of your lineups. I feel the same way about Munoz. Um, I, I want, ex- I, I might, so usually I, I do a core of six guys and then I cascade where like this week I might just have exposure to a bunch of different guys down here uh, is, is where I think I'll end up. Uh, Patrick Rogers' course history, I don't know that it matters right now. He's just been so bad recently. Um, Sepp Straka? His price pretty low. It's the lowest we've seen him in a while. It doesn't. I, I don't hate playing him. Uh, I, I'm i excited to play Doc Redman at some point soon. It's you know, below 7K prices. Uh, it is not this golf course. He's been abysmal, and this golf course plays to his worst um, sort of strategy or his, his worst abilities uh with around the green game uh mac hughes is interesting uh you know his, he's got a really strong around the green game uh but then you see his course history he's got two missed cuts which i'm a little bit surprised by i think uh my favorite play of the week that isn't going to be an insane ownership and this again worries me a little bit because he's coming off five straight weeks of golf uh but he's a kind of a tour grinder is brian stewart he played really well last week at pebble um Made three out of the last four cuts here at Riviera. Made four out of the last five cuts on tour. Um, I think you can do worse than he and like Jim Furyk this week if you're just looking for somebody down here that has a decent shot at making you a cut. You know, that all seems reasonable to me. I'm going to have to kind of dig a little deeper on these guys because, you know, and I think... So there's only 120 people in the field, which makes it a little easier to have a six for six or, you know, guys making the cut in general. But at the same time, it's just so hard for some of these random people to get through to the top whenever the field is so stacked. And so I almost, it's like wonders I just don't like going down there, but I'm going to have to pick my poison this week and figure out what I, what, what I'm really scared of. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I think, I think you're right. I think, um, I think the way to go is to be uh, a little more evenly distributed down at the bottom here um, and, and try to try to find some guys that are really going to pop and, and have a chance to actually go out and finish in the top 10 this week instead of like, you know, rostering one guy who you think might make the cut like Stewart or, you know, uh, Gim or whatever um, and, and sticking with them 
and, and just kind of cascading a little bit and trying to get a little bit of exposure, maybe like uh, more evenly distributed exposure amongst a few guys is the way to go. Yeah, we got Mickelson, uh, Baby Draw, and our fade. The fade is tough to me. Um, um, I think I think ultimately I'm gonna end up, and I didn't think I'd end up here. But I think ultimately I'm going to fade John Rom. Okay. Interesting. I think that's wrong, but I mean, if he's not going to be part of your core, then you're kind of fading him anyway. So. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, uh, mine is definitely Bryson. Okay. I know he's played well here the last two years, but I I just I just see everything, and it just doesn't fit. This course just doesn't fit his game. I I just don't see it. Um, the baby draw for me will be um, Russell Henley for sure. See who can. Kim. And then the Mickelson. Um, I think uh, Adam Scott. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. You're not a big Adam Scott guy, so to to, to play him is a uh, that's a little bit risky for you. Uh, my, is. Mine, is, mine is definitely Russell Henley this week. Uh, I don't think that the form has been there to match what the stats are telling me. And I th- I think that he's correct um, to, to give a solid look at, at in the core of your rosters. But it, it definitely scares me um, quite a bit this week to to have that much. The, the amount of exposure I anticipate having uh, in Russell Henley by the end of the week. Same thing. Uh, no, probably not Max Holman. I probably won't have that much exposure to Max Holman, but uh, Russell Henley, uh, as well as Siwoo Kim, actually. Both those guys uh, are, are my Mickelson plays. Fair enough. You know, we'll put out some of the odds and whatnot on the Twitter Twitterverse that we kind of like. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to to start this this stretch of golf on the on the PGA Tour. Uh, it's going to be a lot of big names playing every single week for the next four weeks. Um, who we had uh, Adam Scott win this last year. I don't remember who won WGC Mexico, which is actually WGC Florida this year. Um, I don't remember who won that last year, but then we had Tyrrell Hatton. Um, it was DJ, right? Did DJ? Yeah, DJ, I think you're right, did win WGC Mexico. And then we had uh, Tyrrell Hatton win the Arnold Palmer. And then, you know, obviously the players was after Thursday was when we, we cut out for the COVID break. But, uh, you know, three big name winners. Uh, playing big time golf, uh, and, and and you know the players is is one of the more exciting tournaments uh, every single year. So definitely looking forward to it. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. So uh, stay safe, everyone, and keep warm. Thanks for tuning into the In the Bag podcast. If you want to interact with the show, you can find us on Twitter at In the Bagcast, Slaughter at Slaughter, and myself at James Paul Four. You can also leave comments, rate, subscribe, whatever you'd like, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. Good luck to all of you this week, and we hope you'll tune in again next week to make sure you have the right clubs in the bag. Thanks again. Stay safe.